Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly, a production of iHeartRadio. Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly from iHeartRadio, your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy speculation and advice. Now, along with the guys from guillotineleagues.com, here's your host, Paul Chargian. Welcome to a win and you're in edition of Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchi, and co-hosts today are Scott Fish and Brian Johnson. Hello, guys. What's going on, Charch? What's up, Charch? You sound like you're in the most fun place on Earth right now. I am in Las Vegas, as a matter of fact. So, kind of, yeah, it is the most (laughs) fun place on Earth. Vikings take on Raiders. I'm here for that game and a a few other odds and ends. And you guys are back (laughs) in the studio, and that means Scott Fish. You get to be drunk with button bar power. Well, I'm I'm half of that, at least. Um, so, so, no, no, we are, uh, we are drinking now Char- that we can do whatever we want yeah, yeah. While, while the, while the cat's away. The I mice will say, will play. Charge, I want to know what the odds and ends are if you're in Vegas. Oh yeah, baby. I don't doubt it. Now, do you want to give the, the button bar a test drive? Do you, or do you feel like you've got let's, it mastered and you'll be ready to just jump in whenever you need to? Let, Scott? Let, let's try it. Let me, let me go with our classic nine times, nine times. I think you got it figured out. Well I feel, done. I feel so much well power. Done. So much power. Yes. I mentioned it's win and you're in week. It's the week before the playoffs. So for a lot of you, you have to have this win. We're here to help. We'll break down all the games fantasy football weekly style with letter grades on every player who matters. Plus, take a chance on me. Nine players that you can unearth. Maybe you've been rocking Sam Howell for a long time and you need a, a replacement quarterback. We're here to help. Three tough questions later on in the show. Yeah. Nicely done. <laughs> Because that's going to be my only chance to uh, to mention Sam Howell today. I yeah, I dropped a half a howl. Half, we'll take a half howl, um, and we'll uh, we'll answer three tough questions later on in the show. Only one team on by, so it means we've got a lot of games to break down. And we begin with Carolina taking on New Orleans. Scott, not a lot to like in Carolina. Even the usually reliable Adam Thielen has dried up of late. Do you have uh, many, if any, starting grades for Panthers here? Yeah, can I be honest? I don't have many starting grades in this matchup at all. I mean, we got Bryce Young, top, but he's facing a top 12 pass defense. Bryce hasn't topped 200 yards since week eight. He's only got one multi-score game. I do have him on the bench against the Saints here. 
uh, others in the past game. Adam Thielen and Jonathan Mingo, I'm, I have them on the bench, but I'm going to note quickly, Saints are second best against the perimeter, but they're ninth worst against the slot. In week two, Thielen had himself a day against them. So it's a good spot if you're really in desperation dart mode, uh, dart throw mode. Um, but I do have him on the bench because what we saw last week is the the coaching staff didn't really feed him. He had, th- I believe, three targets. I think he had caught all three of those targets. But uh, Jonathan Mingo also kind of in that dart throw ring range. I have him on the bench. He kind of broke out last week. The coaching staff threw 10 targets at him. That new coaching staff after Frank Reich was uh, fired. Uh, he was almost my take a chance of me player last week because the the good matchup. But in this one, he's going to get Paulson Adebu, who's – been great with Lattimore on IR. Uh, the nice things about Mingo, he's, he's on the field 95% of the time. It's just a really, really tough matchup. Again, you have to be desperate. So I do have him on the bench, dart throw if desperate. Chubb, oh, you know what? I forgot this. This this is where we need to charge. There's the dart throw. Dart throw for Jonathan Mingo. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, I'm giving a B grade to once again, with the coaching staff, we saw what they wanted to do last week. Very clearly, he gave Chuba Hubbard 25 carries, uh, only through to running backs four times, two, or twice, and both were to Miles Sanders. Chuba and Miles combined for 107 in week two in this matchup. But a lot has changed since then. Five of six lead backs against the Saints over the last uh, six weeks have scored, including three mm-hmm. straight. The one who didn't? totaled 97 yards so it's been an okay matchup for the lead back the saints don't give up much in the past game uh 22.8 yards per game a pass game to running backs uh but similar volume backs what chuba was doing last week what he's done you know the the 20-ish touch running backs 83 yards 90 yards 91 yards 95 yards i wouldn't be surprised if he gets 80 to 100 yards likelihood of scoring because that's what new Orleans has been allowing recently. So I got a B grade on Chuba Hubbard on the other side. I got nothing in the past game. I don't even care if it's Carr or Winston going. The Panthers are allowing 191 passing yards yeah. per game. That's just nothing. Teams are just running on him. They they're just Yeah, I was going to say quote unquote allowing. They're <laughs> they're allowing that much cuz no one throws on him. Yeah, I was I was gonna find the love hurts because this is really an everybody runs situation against <laughs> Carolina. I, I hope you like my singing there. Um, so I know Kamara can be an extension uh, through the pass game, but I don't think he's gonna do enough for get to get stats for the quarterback here. Chris Olave is the only wide receiver I'm considering starting, uh, only receiving option. Honestly, Taysom Hill's been missing practice all week. Rashid Shahid is still in protocol. Chris Olave has been out with an illness, but is expected to play. It's a tough matchup. Winston targeted Olave 40% of the time once Carr went down, and Carr was already targeting him like 25 to 30% of the time. Uh, one one fun stat here I got for Chris Olave. He's averaging over two PPR points per target, not per catch, per target over the last wow. four. They're just wow. hyper-targeting him, and he's getting fantasy points on those targets. The Panthers, despite holding the pass game down, are bottom eight on deep ball pass rate allowed, which Chris Olave or Shahid, if he does go. But Chris Olave definitely can make hay with. I do have a... Not very confident A grade on him on the assumption he's going to get 10 plus touches there or 10 plus targets. 
Alvin Kamara, I do have an A grade on because everyone runs on Carolina. We've we've talked about it a couple times. He's averaging 12 PPR points just on pass game work. If he hasn't been very explosive or very efficient in the run game, but this is the matchup for him. Uh, similar, yeah. Carolina allows the fifth highest yards per carry, fourth highest rushing yards, and the most rushing scores. A grade on Alvin Kamara. You know, Carolina, you're talking about the good pass defense. They got J.C. Horn back, and he is a terrific cornerback. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a pretty legitimate good good pass defense. Yeah, uh, Brian, let's head over to you. Seattle takes on San Francisco. Geno Smith coming off a dramatically better game than I expected last week against Dallas but right back into the grinder in a tough matchup at San Francisco. Yeah, tough matchup. And he's also dealing with a groin injury, still listed uh, officially as questionable to play. And I I do want to mention real quick, Seattle and San Francisco just met in week 12. The 49ers rolled the Seahawks 31-13 to in that game. So starting with Geno, he only had 180 scoreless passing yards in that first meeting against the 49ers, who are ranked third in pass coverage by Pro Football Focus. San Francisco has surrendered just 12 passing touchdowns all season. That's the second fewest with 15 interceptions, the most in the league. So Gino on the bench for me, even if he plays. And for his receivers, DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Tyler Lockett, I have a C on all of them. These three combined for just eight catches and 103 scoreless yards in that first meeting, uh, meeting, meaning they all should have been benched, really. But odds are at least one produces here. The 49ers have yielded the third most targets to wide receivers and the fourth most red zone targets. So game script should favor the passing game, even if Gino sits, but I will give this uh, put. So I'll put a C on all three wide receivers. And I have a C on Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet who are both expected to play. Uh, Walker will be returning from an oblique injury. Charbonnet is dealing with a knee injury. It's a, a bad matchup though. You know what? I'm changing my mind. If they both play, they're both on the bench. It's just, it's a brutal matchup. If one sits, I will start the other, but if both are if both are active, they're both on the bench for me. Over to the San Francisco side, Christian McCaffrey, certainly not on the bench. Easy A for him, not getting into that. Brandon Ayuk, going to give him a B. The game script did not favor the 49ers passing game when these teams first met. It was a CMC ground game, but Ayuk did catch two passes for 50 yards and a touchdown, and the Seahawks are allowing a healthy 14 catches, 160 yards, and one touchdown per game to opposing wideouts, so a B for Ayuk, also a B for Debo Samuel. He had he had a good game in that first meeting. Seven catches for 79 yards. He added 15 rushing yards with a rushing score in that game. So a B for Samuel. Uh, just a C for George Kittle, though. He was quiet in the first meeting. Three catches for 19 scoreless yards. And he didn't do much against Seattle in the playoffs last year either. Two catches for 37 scoreless yards. The Seahawks have surrendered just two tight end touchdowns but they are allowing more than five catches and 50 yards per game to the position. That's decent production. So the C for Kittle. And lastly, just a B on Brock Purdy. Modest 209 passing yards and one touchdown in the first meeting. Again, it was a CMC ground game. Hopefully Seattle keeps it a little closer. Dak Prescott just had a monster game against Seattle last week. You're not sitting Brock Brock Purdy, basically. So a B on him. You know, I'll note that uh, although George Kittle did have a quiet game when these teams met earlier this year, last year in the two meetings, four touchdowns between them for George Kittle in these matchups. So Yes, in the, in the uh, regular season, he was quiet in the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, Kittle's a spike-week player. You never know. I, I don't think he has a super high ceiling, but you're not going to sit him, obviously. 
All right, let's talk about Detroit taking on Chicago. These teams also just met a couple of weeks ago. Um, let's start with the passing game. Amon Ross St. Brown, an obvious A here. He had an eight-catch, 77-yard game with a touchdown when they met three weeks ago. He runs from the slot where he faces competent but not special cornerback Kyler Gordon. Chicago allows the fifth shortest average pass, and that's kind of Amon Ross St. Brown's game anyway is those quick passes and then yards after the catch. So nothing here to deter you from starting Amon Ross St. Brown like you normally would. Sam Laporta posted season lows against the Bears in the first matchup, but the Bears have allowed the 10th most points to tight ends this season, kind of middle of the pack. They've allowed five touchdowns on the season to tight ends, including one to TJ Hawkinson last week. Come in with a B grade on Laporta. We think uh, in totality is, is probably a lot better than what he showed against the Bears last time. And all the other Detroit wide receivers are on the bench. They cannibalize each other, and it's a tricky matchup. Mm -hmm. Over the past five weeks, Chicago allowing the third fewest yards per game to opposing wide receivers in no small part because of the emergence of elite cornerback Jalen Johnson just suffocating opponents yeah. uh, to this point. Oh, he's giving up two receptions for 10 yards in his coverage over the last five weeks. Jeez. It is nuts. Yeah, so everybody else on the bench. Let's go to the runners. There's some reason for caution here. Well, actually, let me, while we're doing the receiving game, let me let me go to Jared Goff, who comes in with a B grade. Mm -hmm. Chicago's pass defense uh, dramatically improved, as I mentioned. Fortunately, the individual matchups for Amon Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta, I think, are good enough that Goff remains fairly stable here. Chicago has allowed multiple touchdown passes in three of the past five, and I think Goff is in that one to two range for touchdowns, hopefully on the two side, so I'm giving him the B grade. For David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, this is a tricky matchup. Now, Bears run defense has been good really all year, but even better lately. They allow the fifth fewest rushing yards per game, the second fewest yards per attempt. They rank number two in ESPN's run stuff win rate. No back is top 76 yards against Chicago all season. Yeah. And the Bears only give up 64 rushing yards per game. And if Gibbs and Montgomery have to split 64 rushing yards, that's not That's great. That's not good. <laughs> no. Now, the good side for more Gibbs than Montgomery is that the the Bears do give up the third most targets and the third most receptions, so I think that helps Gibbs. Um, and he did put up six catches for 59 yards when these teams met uh, a few weeks ago. The other side that I think Brian will appreciate Revenge game oh, for yeah. David Montgomery. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. In Chicago. So... There's that angle. C grades for both Montgomery and Gibbs in a very difficult matchup. It was a buzzer beater touchdown, game winning touchdown for David Montgomery, I believe, in the first meeting mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, I think you're right about that yeah. actually. So the um, science. Let's go to let's science. go to the uh, let's go to the bear side of this. This is a lot shorter. All the Chicago runners are on the bench because it's a three way cluster boink between Herbert Johnson and Foreman, and Detroit's a good run defense. Nobody's top. Uh, nobody topped 35 rushing yards in the previous meeting between these uh, teams, and the Lions ranked number two in rushing yards allowed at just 61 per game. And if you got to split 61 yards yep. three ways, gross. Yeah. If I had to pick one, it'd be Foreman, who I think is the most likely yeah. to get uh, goal line carries. But I'm I'm keeping them all on the bench. Yeah. In the passing game, you only care about Justin Fields and DJ Moore. Let's start with Justin Fields. He ran for 104 yards in the meeting a few weeks ago. Detroit's only faced one other mobile quarterback. That was Lamar Jackson, who also ran for a touchdown in his game. 
Lions are ranked 26th in pass coverage by Pro Football Focus. They've given up at least three passing touchdowns in three of their last six games. So Fields has got some passing upside. He's got rushing upside in this one. Mm -hmm. A grade for Justin Fields. Let's hope they keep running him. Man, and then DJ Moore from a couple weeks ago. A bunch of A grades for Fields. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, DJ Moore, huge game on Thanksgiving. Um, I I think it was, was it Thanksgiving that these teams met? I think it was. there we go. Nicely done. All right. On top of things. I don't think Over the last thing. five weeks, Detroit has allowed the fifth most yards and the most touchdowns per game to opposing wide receivers. And they allow the fourth highest ADOT at nine yards. And the deep ball's DJ Moore's specialty. So we like teams that are going to give up the deep ball. He runs from the outside. That means you'll see a lot of cornerback Jerry, uh, Jerry Jacobs, who over the last five weeks, get this, is allowing a passer rating of 153. That's not good. 158 That's, is perfect. It's almost perfect. Yeah. So Jerry Jacobs, almost perfect in futility <laughs> uh, over the past, uh, over the past five weeks, DJ Moore, a grade. Mm. All right. And with that, let's take a break. When we come back, take a chance on me, nine players. You'll want to uh, consider starting that you normally would not. Maybe you've got a problem at the running back position because you were counting on Isaiah Pacheco. Maybe you were a Sam Howell owner and you need a replacement quarterback. We're here to help you with some waiver wire level players that you can start this week when we come back to Fantasy Football Weekly. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a chance on me. Nine players, not normally new starting lineup. We begin at the quarterback position. Scott Fish, who you got? I am going with Jordan Love, averaging nearly 38 dropbacks per game. He's passing a lot, fourth in air yards, and has a 9.1 ADOT. He's really driving the ball down the field, coming off four multi-score games in a row. It gets a Giants team that, yes, Held down Jones and Zappy last week in New England or in week twelve in New England, but before that, uh, got the Giants got violated by Sam Howell and Dak Prescott. (laughs) (laughs) Even Cooper Rush did some work in relief of Dak. Uh, Those two totaled seven hundred eighty-four yards and six scores between them. Uh, Yeah, Jordan Love, my take a chance for me player. All right, Brian, your take a chance for me quarterback. I've got Cleveland's yes, Cleveland's Joe Flacco at home against the Jaguars. Now the Browns are saying their their game day quarterback is going to be a game day decision between Flacco and Dorian Thompson Brown, but it's Thompson Robinson, I'm sorry, but it's going to be Joe Flacco in my mind, but even if it's DTR, I, I would I would start him against Jacksonville who have allowed multiple passing touchdowns in 3 of their last 4 games and 6 of the last 8 quarterbacks Jacksonville has faced have thrown for at least 300 yards. Jeez. Jacksonville could also be without starting cornerback Tyson Campbell and free safety free safety Andre Cisco of no relation to Cisco of the thong song. But uh, I love whoever starts a quarterback <laughs> for the Browns, but it's going to be Joe Flacco. I'm going with Russell Wilson against the Chargers. Chargers ranked dead last in pass defense as they have really all season. And if you remove games against backup passers, opposing starting quarterbacks against the Chargers, averaging 337 yards and two and a half touchdown passes. It's a great opportunity for Wilson here. The catch with Russ is always volume. He throws the third fewest passes, just 29 per game, which generally caps his upside. But the Chargers see the fourth most passes, 37 per game. So if Russ is going to be closer to 37, he feels even that much safer here. Mm -hmm. He's thrown just one touchdown in three straight games against solid defenses. Uh, but he's augmented his fantasy score with, with rushing touchdowns and back-to-back games. And he's actually top 20 rushing yards in seven of the last eight games. So, there, you know, he's, he's he's got a little bit of the old Russell Wilson wheels going right now, which I like as well. Russell Wilson might take a chance at me quarterback. Let's go to the running back position. Scott, who you got? We are going with Chase Brown of the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm. Uh, just last week, we saw the Bengals give Brown the ball nine times. Nine times. Look at that. Nine I'm on it. Nine times. 
And two of them went for huge gains on Monday night. The Colts allow the third most running back touches. So there should be enough to go around. This Colts D allowing the fourth most fantasy points to running backs, including second most rushing touchdowns. By the way, the secondary running back, the second running back had 88 yards last week Mm -hmm. and two weeks ago had 88 yards. So maybe 88 yards here for Chase Brown. (laughs) We would take that for sure. Brian, you take a chance of me running back. I'm sticking with the Browns, and I'm going with Kareem Hunt uh, again at home against the Jaguars. Jerome Ford is technically the starter, but Hunt still getting significant touches, especially in the red zone, where he and Ford have both seen nine opportunities since week nine. Nine And since week eight, Jacksonville has allowed the second highest explosive run rate and the highest missed tackles per attempt. The Jaguars Mm. have also yielded the most targets to running backs, so it should be no surprise that they've allowed the most receptions to the position. Love Ford and Hunt both this week. Mm, I might have to move Ford up our rankings a little bit. I I might have been a little softer on Ford than I should have been. Do it, uh, do it. That's some some compelling stuff right there. Might take a chance of me running back. Going back to the well, because I hit on it last week, and I need Damian Pierce. We need a late-season revival to make me look slightly less of a moron (laughs) for pushing the Damian Pierce narrative in the preseason. Imagine imagine he becomes a league winner now. I know, Then then you can crow. Then you can peacock. I I would feel so validated if that happened. It's it's been a tough run for Damian Pierce, but hit last week. We'll try it again here against the Jets. Um, Last week, he was the lead back for most of the game. And, you know, there was Houston was playing with a lead for most of the game and they ran him a lot. He, he almost doubled the workload of Devin Singletary and the jets can't score. So I think Houston gets ahead in this one as well. And it's not like Pierce dazzled me with his running last week. Um, Houston's run blocking isn't good. They're 26th in run block win rate. And really Pierce is a guy that could really, you know, he's more of a straight ahead guy who needs a little bit of uh, blocking help that he doesn't always get. And then, Still, Jets, an elite pass defense and a bad run defense. So teams don't pass against them very much. In fact, the Jets see the most rushes per game, 33. You know, if you tell me Damian Pierce is going to get the, you know, the majority of the work, maybe 18, 20 of the 33, I don't know how he doesn't end up with a meaningful box score here. Damian Pierce against the Jets. Scott, who is your take a chance of me receiver? Yeah, I'm going with Jaden Reed. I'm stacking him with my quarterback here. Jordan Love might take a chance on me quarterback. Giants are allowing the sixth most receptions, seventh most receiving yards. Reed gets the best matchup of the three with Cordell Flott in the slot. Uh, it's possible Christian Watson misses this game, which also would add to possibly some ex- extra touches for Jaden Reed. Uh, Giants on the season, fourth easiest matchup for wide receivers. But since week nine, they're the second easiest Jaden Reed, number one or number two in targets on the team each of the last five weeks. Ooh. Let's hope that uh let's hope he's healthy enough to, to participate fully in yeah, this game. Exactly. Which is something he, we got something we gotta monitor. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh Brian, you take a chance on your receiver. I got Houston's tight end Brevin Jordan uh at the Jets. Dalton Schultz not expected to play. And Charge, you're you're hundred percent correct. Not many teams throw on the Jets, but when they do. It's the tight ends who are having success. The Jets have allowed the second most touchdowns to the tight end position two over their last three games. They've also surrendered nearly 140 yards to the position over their last two games. And with Tank Dell now on IR, there, there's targets to, to go around in Houston. And I think C.J. Stroud is going to be looking Brevin Jordan's way mm. a lot when he drops back on Sunday. 
My take a chance on me receiver is also a tight end, David Njoku. Uh, we've been, man, we're, we're all Browns all the time here, which is yes. a little bit weird. Uh, Jaguars getting rocked by tight ends of late. The ranks against tight ends in tight end yards allowed. Jacksonville ranks 31st in tight end receptions allowed. They rank 31st. So a lot of teams throwing to the tight end and successfully so. Here's just some some recent box scores by tight ends against Jacksonville. Last week, the Bengals' anonymous tight ends combined for six catches and 55 yards. Two weeks ago, Pat Fryermuth, nine receptions, 120 yards against Jacksonville. Uh, week 10, Dalton Schultz, 71 yards. Week 9, Dalton Kincaid, 10 catches, 81 yards. Week 8, George Kittle, nine catches, 149 yards. I mean, tight ends are just getting it done against Jacksonville. David Njoku, next man up. Mm. Speaking of tight ends, last segment, when I uh, broke down the Bears, I failed to mention Cole Komet. So let me just do a quick little add-on for uh, Cole Komet in the chair, in the uh, in the Chicago matchup. C grade for him. He's uh, He was way more productive under Tyson Bagent. He has not caught a touchdown pass since week nine. He's gone touchdownless in six of his last seven games. Detroit's middle of the pack in receptions and yards allowed, but they have allowed six tight end touchdowns this season, which is uh, more than most anyway. But just three catches in the meeting against Detroit a few weeks ago. And again, Fields doesn't uh, doesn't go to commit nearly as much as Bajan didn't. And so you got to be a lot more careful. Just a C grade on him. You have now commit expectations for that matchup. <laughs> well done. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, Indianapolis takes on Cincinnati, Scott. And no Jonathan Taylor in this game. Nope. Uh, Zach Moss got bottled up uh, significantly by a very good Tennessee run defense last week. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the prospects here against Cincinnati? Yeah, I actually have an A grade on Zach Moss here. I think it's a really, really good spot for him. The nice part is he took every single running back carry last week with Terrell, uh, with Taylor out right back to his near 20 touches uh, he was getting back when Taylor was out before. Minshew also has Moss on his fantasy team, which helps. You could Ooh, you could tell yeah. by that. Even the interception for a touch, interception uh, he threw at the goal line, he was trying to get it to Moss. So we know he wants <laughs> to get those Moss points in there. Running backs with over 16 touches against the Bengals. And I went to 16 just to be safe, even though Moss's touches without JT are 22, 32, 18, 25, 21. They're way over that. I'm being super safe. Backs with more than 16 touches against the Bengals average 125 yards. And Moss gets all the work. So I have an A grade here for Zach Moss. Um, It's finally happening for you, Charge. I'm so happy for you. I know. I know. I love it. I'm I'm reveling in this. Trust me. Over to the passing game. Gardner Minshew, I have a B grade on. Bengals have allowed multiple scores in four of the last five. Of course, the one that didn't was Kenny Pickett because he doesn't know how to get multiple score games. <laughs> uh, you would really do have to pick your spots with Minshew like uh, Thor did last week as his take a chance on me player. And he delivered with 300 plus and two scores. I think this is another one. Nine of the 12 scoring starting quarterbacks. Nine times. Um, Nine times. Against the Colts had 300 plus and or a score. It's a decent spot. B grade on Gardner Min- Minshew. 
I do have an A grade on Michael Pittman, who's seen about 100 targets per game with Minshew. I believe that stat <laughs> is accurate. The Bengals are allowing highest A dot to lead in the league to wide receivers, which is really good for, for uh, Pittman here. 12-plus targets in three straight, eight-plus catches in five straight, 100-plus yards in back-to-back. Bengals are middle of the pack, but he gets the best matchup in Shadobi Awuzie, allowing a 112 passer rating against I do have Josh Downs and Alec Pierce on the bench. I know Alec Pierce had a, caught all three of his targets for 100 yards last week. He was targeted in the end zone twice. I don't know that it's sustainable. And Josh Downs, he really shows up in great slot matchups. This is a middle-of-the-pack one. I have him on the bench. It wouldn't surprise me for one of them to hit, but I have him on the bench. I don't think you can trust him here. C grade on Kylan Granson. I'll touch on Granson mm. real quick here. Two to four catches in every game before his injury came back. Had three for 72 last week. Since he is the second best matchup for tight ends, even Evan Ingram scored last week yeah. against the Cincinnati team. Hey, that was my take a chance of me receiver last week, might uh, I add. Yeah, yeah. Nine for, let me let me see if I can find a peacock real quick. I don't That's know near the it. top. It's near the top. Thank you. Are you going to be able to work in a, a dig on Kyle Pitts in this breakdown or no? <laughs> I'm in this chair. I'm feeling like digging on Pitts. It's weird how that happens. Uh, Fryermuth had nine for 120 the week before. Kincaid, Kittle, and Schultz had 70 plus. Uh, that's just in the last six weeks. Ten t- different tight ends have gone for 70 plus and or a score on this Bengals team. I have a C grade on Granson. I think he's a good dart throw there. Well, C grade anyway. Over to the Cincinnati side, Jake Browning, I do have on the bench. I know he threw a lot of short passes last week, uh, but this is the middle of pack uh, on the season defense that the Colts are. But since week five, only one quarterback has had over 225 yards and only three multi-score games on the season. Bengals are fourth best against quarterbacks over their last five, or sorry, the Colts are fourth best against quarterbacks over the last five. I have Browning on the bench. I'm still giving an A grade to Jamar Chase, though. Over 50% target share last week, over 40% with Browning in the lineup. Also a 33% end zone target share with Browning in the lineup. It's just, he's just doing too good. He's going to get Jalen Jones, 95.8 passer rating against, but I'm still giving it an A grade here. I have the other wide receivers on the bench, though. Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd last week was a great slot matchup for him. Not so much this week. T. Higgins was barely targeted. His game yeah. is deeper, and the Colts, that's the what they what they defend the best is deeper. And Browning, it seems like he's throwing short a lot. So it's really not meant for T. Higgins' game. So I have him on the bench as well. Tanner Hudson's a little bit of a dart throw, four-plus catches in five straight, but... 30 to 45 yards in in all of them. Feels like a safe seven points, but he doesn't score, doesn't have a red zone target, doesn't have an end zone target, and Colts have only allowed one tight end touchdown on the year, so pure dart throw, but I have him on the bench. A grade on Joe Mixon, kind of what I said about Chase Brown. Colts are fourth worst uh, against running backs. They allow a ton of running back touches. There should be enough for both of them. But all that stuff I said in the last segment still stands for Joe Mixon. I have an A grade here. Hopefully there's enough for Chase Brown. Might take a chance on me player. All right. Well, let's uh, let's head to a break. And when we come back, Jacksonville taking on Cleveland. We've already talked about a lot of Browns. Maybe the Jacksonville side. Unknown quarterback situation at this time. Who do you dare trust out of Jacksonville? No Christian Kirk. A lot of things up in the air on the Jaguar side. Stay tuned to Fantasy Football Weekly to find out.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Fantasy Football Weekly, another big block of matchups for you. Beginning with Jacksonville taking on Cleveland, Brian. We talked a lot about Cleveland already, but let's go to the Jacksonville side. No Christian Kirk, and we're not sure who the quarterback is going to be in this one. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you would assume that Trevor Lawrence would have been ruled out by now, but he's shaping up to be a game-time decision. He might he might go with that ankle injury, but uh, it's a brutal matchup. The Browns allowing just 173 passing yards and one passing touchdown per game. They're also going to get back stud cornerback Denzel Ward who has missed the last two games so you just gotta prepare for Lawrence to be on your bench and even if he starts I got him on the bench I think you should roll with one of our our take on quarterbacks over him this week in a, in a bad matchup and there's gonna be some weather in this game too it's not a total stopper by any means but it's gonna be wet in Cleveland most likely so I'm playing it safe with Lawrence he's on the bench the only other 
uh, player in the passing game I'm giving a starting grade to is Calvin Ridley. Uh, he gets a C. Since week eight, Cleveland has allowed the fourth lowest PPR points per target to boundary wide receivers. That's not good. And again, mm. Denzel Ward expected back. So temper your expectations for Ridley. I can't fault you if you, if you bench him for someone else, but I will give him a C grade. But again, everyone else on the bench, including Evan Engram, the Browns have allowed only three receiving to receiving touchdowns to tight ends all season. And two of those came from Mark Andrews back in week four. Opposing tight ends are averaging just two catches and 22 yards per game against Cleveland. So Engram on the bench, mm. even in the tight end wasteland. Yeah. And lastly for the Jaguars, Travis Etienne, just to see for him, Etienne has not hit 80 rushing yards since week five. And in fact, he's only breached that mark on this on the ground twice this season. ETN definitely slumping, slumping, uh, excuse me, slumping. And this isn't exactly a get-right game. Opposing backs are averaging 111 combo yards per game against Cleveland, who has surrendered only eight total touchdowns to the position all season. Over to the Cleveland side, we already said how Joe Flacco is my take a chance on me quarterback. David and Joku is your take a chance on me receiver. Over to the wide receivers for the Browns, I got a B for Elijah Moore and a C on Amari Cooper. Cooper looks like he's trending towards playing. He practiced on Friday. He's been in concussion protocol and nursing a rib injury that he's been playing through. So it's really all about the concussion, but it looks like Cooper will be cleared. So a C for Cooper. I got a B on Moore. Saw 12 targets last week with Joe Flacco under center. Uh, that will likely be the case again this week, meaning Flacco will be under sender. And the Jaguars have surrendered the third most wide receiver touchdowns this season and at least one wide receiver touchdown in every game they have played. And lastly, uh, to the running game for the Browns, I got to be on Jerome Ford. Again, a great matchup for both he and Kareem Hunt, who is my take a chance on me running back. Since week eight, Jacksonville has allowed the second highest explosive run rate and the highest missed tackles per attempt. And they've also allowed the most catches to the running back position. Yeah, that all that all trends very, very well. And uh, tip of the hat to Thor last week for not, uh, nailing Elijah Moore as well. Nicely mm-hmm. done. In abstentia, we will give him. Uh, can we peacock him in abstentia? Is that possible? We should probably do that. There we go. Rams taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Brian, you'll love this. A grade on Kyron Williams. Yeah. Just, the, the workload is just huge at this point. Last week, he played 94% of the snaps and got 26 opportunities. Since week two, when he became the starter over Akers, Kyron has seen 22 opportunities per game, and he's averaging 116 total yards per game. And the one area where the Ravens' defense is vulnerable is against the run. They're just a middle-of-the-pack run defense. They rank 12th and 16th in rushing and receiving yards allowed to runners, respectively. And if the Rams are going to pull an upset here, it's almost certainly going to go through Kyron Williams with an A grade. Ooh. And then we're a lot more skeptical about the passing game in this one, uh, a lot more. Let's start with uh, Stafford. Brutal matchup for him. The Ravens rank second in pass coverage by pro football focus. They've only given up multiple passing touchdowns two times all year. Baltimore has more interceptions than touchdown passes allowed. In his five road games so far, Stafford has seven touchdown passes. And other than his Mm. four touchdown blow up a week or two ago, uh, Stafford's really been really like a one touchdown guy. And that's probably where we're sitting here. Puka Nakua comes in with a C grade, uh, coming off a great game last week. Baltimore plays overwhelmingly man coverage, and since Cooper Cup's return in Week 5, Nakua has led Rams wide receivers in receptions against man and has been far more effective than Cup as well in man coverage. The Ravens get back cornerback Marlon Humphrey from injury working against Nakua. He's very good. No receiver has topped two catches or nine yards 
against Marlon Humphrey since way back in week five. So a very tough matchup for Nakua, but I'm still giving him a C grade in this one. And I'm benching Cooper Cup. Ooh. No, uh, he hasn't topped 50 yards, 50 Cooper Cup, 50 yards in six straight games. Unreal. He's playing on two hobbled ankles. Safety Kyle Hamilton uh, mans the slot often, and he's just a menace. Over the past five weeks, he's allowing two receptions for 12 yards per game on a passer rating of 58. And that's it. So I just I can't advocate starting Cooper Cup here in a game you need. And then uh, Tyler Higby, doubtful. Not expected to play in this game, so don't use him. Let's go to the Baltimore <laughs> side. Uh, I think I'll start with uh, I think I'll start with the running game here. How about Gus Edwards? Uh, snap share decreasing in three straight yeah. games, bottoming out at only twenty seven percent rushing share in their last game before last week's bye. The Rams allow the seventh fewest total yards to opposing running backs, and more troubling, Edwards has become totally touchdown dependent, and the Rams only give up half a touchdown to the position per game. That's eighth best. So. I, you, yeah. all you can do is hope for a touchdown. I can only give you a C grade and it's, it's on the hope for like yeah. a two yard touchdown plunge. Yeah. That's it. How about Keaton Mitchell? So his snapshot increasing in four straight weeks as Gus's is going down, topping out at 46% snap share uh, in the last game before the bye. tough matchup though. In addition to not allowing rushing yards or touchdowns, the Rams allow a league low 20 receiving yards per game to opposing running backs. That impacts Mitchell for sure. He's a receiving back, and he's he's had a lot of his success through the air. It's not likely to happen here. Since LA's Week 10 bye, no back has topped 48 rushing yards, 33 or 33 receiving yards, or scored against the Rams. So this is a, a very tough spot, and I've just got a C grade on Keaton Mitchell. Let's go to the passing game. I want to start with Isaiah Likely. The Rams are terrible against the tight end. They give up the six most yards and the second most scores to the position. So there's a good chance that Lamar's best path to air production is through Isaiah Likely. In the one full game Likely has played without Mark Andrews, he led the Ravens in targets, receptions, and receiving yards. So I like Isaiah Likely here, and he comes in with a, a solid B grade, and he's in my top five at the position this week as well. Zay Flowers, great to see him in the end zone last week. Um, it's been a sight we haven't seen very often. I'm less optimistic about it here. He runs from all parts of the field, and he's got neutral matchups in all three of those spots against all three of the Rams cornerbacks. Importantly, Flowers saw eight targets with Mark Andrews missing last week. That's his uh, first time reaching that mark since week eight. He's the only receiver with enough volume to warrant starting consideration among the Ravens. He comes in with a C grade here. And that just leaves us with Lamar Jackson. Over the past five weeks, Lamar Jackson's fantasy points, he ranks as quarterback 18 with just four total touchdowns. None of them on the ground, which are usually worth more than the passing touchdowns. That doesn't always mean that Lamar Jackson is playing badly, but his 50 rushing yards per game is just not enough to sustain you when he's only averaging 216 passing yards and one passing touchdown per game. That is a Gardner Minshew level of passing. <laughs> and the Rams are a pretty good pass defense. They've held nine of 12 opponents to zero or one passing touchdown. And only two quarterbacks have topped 300 yards all year. Uh, LA is vulnerable on the ground. All four mobile quarterbacks to face LA have scored or topped 47 rushing yards. So I think you're going to get another good ground game from Jackson. But like it's been a okay. lot lately, I don't think he's going to chip in much through the air. And we've got a B grade on Lamar Jackson. Okay. 
All right, let's move over to uh, Tampa Bay taking on Atlanta. Scott uh, Baker Mayfield, I think he's quietly playing pretty good football, but a lot of tough matchups, and it doesn't always yeah. materialize to a lot of fantasy points. What do yeah. you think here? And this would normally be a tough matchup here. I, I have a C grade on him. I, I'm willing to move to a bench, but right now the Falcons could be without cornerbacks. A.J. Terrell, who's in concussion protocol, Jeff mm. Okuda with an undisclosed uh, injury, and Mike Hughes with an an- hand injury. So if their entire defensive backfield is out, <laughs> I feel a little bit better about a C grade here. Uh, the Falcons haven't allowed a passing touchdown for three weeks. Okay, so they faced Kyler in his first game and Derek Carr and Tim Boyle. But before that, they they gave up multiple scores in three of four. So it, it's possible he has an okay day. We need to watch that defensive backfield, though. Uh, a grade on Mike Evans. Evans had six for 82 and a score receiving on eight targets in week seven against these Falcons. And A.J. Terrell was shadowing him that game. So if he's gone, expect better. Uh, 33% target share for Mike Evans over the last month. And we've talked about his end zone targets. He just always scores, it feels like Mike Evans does. Yeah. C grade on Chris Godwin. I don't love it, but held catchless last week. But he did score on a 19-yard rushing touchdown. The matchup against a completely beat-up secondary is nice. But if all those players or most of those, some of those players go, maybe bench Chris Godwin. But I have a C grade on him for now with with the matchup. Uh, Kate Otten runs a ton of routes, but goose egg last week. He disappears at times. Too hard to trust. Bench for Kate Otten. B grade on Rashad White over the last five. White is averaging over 20 touches, four of those yeah. being catches. He scored five times in the last five games. No other Tampa Bay back has had more than five touches in a game since week mm. f- six. Um, Falcons are really good against fantasy running backs, but mostly it's because the scores. They've only allowed three total scores, and all three were receiving. No rushing yeah. scores. White total had 99 total yards in their first meeting on 19 touches. 19 plus touches against guys against the Falcons average 90 yards. They average 91 yards actually. So 90 plus yards, four plus catches. That's that's I can see a B grade here. If he gets in the end zone, even better Uh, over to the Atlanta side. I have Ritter on the bench. Good quarterbacks do well against Tampa. Bad ones do bad. Ritter did (laughs) 289 scoreless yards last time. I have him on the bench. Sorry. Uh, Drake London. I'm giving a C grade too. It's really tough, but five receivers have been over 50 yards against the bucks in the last three weeks. Uh, he's been C level. Drake London. That is, has been C level or worse in almost every single game, but game, but it's the sixth easiest matchup for wide receivers. Yeah. 23 different wide receivers have top 50 yards this season in 12 games. Uh, the only other starting grade I have here is Bijan Robinson. Bucks have been top 10 against running backs this year, but have been bottom 10 over the last three weeks, allowing McCaffrey, JT, and Chuba Hubbard to blow up on them. High-touch running backs have done really well against them. B grade there. I have Kyle Pitts on the bench. I have Tyler Algier and Cordell Patterson who are splitting now. Uh, because of that split, I have them on the bench as well. That all makes sense, Scott. I think I see it the same way. Fortunately, we're going to break, so we won't get a Kyle Pitts rebuttal from Brian. No, I'm biting but, my tongue. No, I held, when we I come held back, off long enough on purpose. That's right. Three tough questions. See if you can go 3-0 and with our panel of experts as we dive into three of the most salient, difficult decisions that we've all got to face coming down the stretch as we head into the fantasy playoffs. Stay tuned. Fantasy Football Weekly.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our number two, Fantasy Football Weekly, Paul Charchi and Scott Fish and Brian Johnson with you. This is a game we call Three Tough Questions. We begin with this. Tough question number one. What is the appropriate level of concern for Patrick Mahomes? Is it none? Is it some? Or is it a bowel-loosening level of existential dread? We begin with Scott Fish. I think at this point we got to go with some. I, I, I don't think it's blowed. I, I think we've seen enough of Mahomes over his career, not this, you know, 12-game sample size. Uh, that he's a pretty dang good quarterback, but all season we keep thinking, Oh, it's going to be scary once this offense gets things going like the days of old, but it just keeps not happening. Maybe Eric B leaving was a piece that hurt them more than we thought. Con- concern exists, but I, I don't think we should be like completely panicking on this. All right, Brian, what's the appropriate level of concern for Patrick Mahomes? Is it none? Is it some? Or is it a bowel-loosening level of existential dread? 
Yeah, I got to agree with Scott that it's some because Mahomes is just not a set-it-and-forget-it guy, especially if you're still alive in a guillotine league. <laughs> He's almost like a, a depth player right now. Uh, I don't think you can bench him this week against Buffalo, but looking next week at New England, I don't know. You might have a better option than Patrick Mahomes. I like his matchup in Week 16 uh, at home against Vegas a lot better, but again, I mean... He's almost a matchup-dependent player at this point. Not totally, but it's definitely some level of concern for Mahomes for me. The correct answer is a bowel-loosening level of existential Oh, my gosh. Okay. It is. Get this. Over the last five weeks, Patrick Mahomes is quarterback 21. Yeah. That means almost certainly over the last five weeks, to this is to Brian's point, over the last five weeks, you probably would have been better off starting whoever your other quarterback is than Patrick Mahomes. Why? Where's the problem? The problem is the signature big plays. When we think in the Mahomes era of long bomb passes, the first guy you think of is Patrick Mahomes. He's been so good there, but not this year. Get a load of this. Mahomes, quarterback 33 in average depth of target at 7.3 yards, 33rd. He's 20th in deep ball completions. He's 32nd in deep ball completion percentage. He's 36th, dead last among qualified quarterbacks in deep ball passer rating. Patrick Mahomes has one touchdown this year of more than 20 yards. That's it. And so much of what his gigantic explosive box scores have come because of the 40, 50, 60, 70-yard passes, those have totally dried up. Can you snap your fingers and suddenly get better at deep passing? Not with his receiving core. Exactly. I mean, Rasheed Rice is the most promising receiver on the depth chart, but he's not like bombs away deep downfield guy. Nope. So I don't see this thing changing. And um, and we've got some stoppers on the uh, on the schedule. Compared to where we normally have Patrick Mahomes, your level of concern is a bowel-loosening level of existential threat. By the way, Rasheed Rice's ADOT, 4.75 yards. He is not, not targeting way, way downfield. Quite the opposite, yes. yes. Tough question number three. Oops, let's try two. Tough question number two. <laughs> yeah, you thought it you thought it was easy, right? It's not easy over in this chair. No, we're going backward. And we're it's especially smooth. hard when you're doing your own matchup. Yeah, problem. I bet. Rest of season, Justin Jefferson will be a wide receiver one, a wide receiver two, flex, or bench player. We begin with Brian for this one. According to Fantasy Pros, the Vikings wide receivers have the fourth hardest remaining strength of schedule. But looking at their schedule, it's at Las Vegas, as you know, Charge, uh, at Cincinnati versus Detroit, and then versus Green Bay. I don't see that as the fourth hardest. hardest. Uh, Yeah, I I disagree there. Another site... Another site I like, RotoWire, has the fourth easiest. All right, <laughs> so, so there's a so major discrepancy here. But the, the, the major concern is just the quarterback position for the Vikings. They're sticking with Joshua Dobbs right now, which I think is the right call. But whoever is starting a quarterback is an obvious downgrade from Kirk Cousins. We don't know if Jefferson's at 100%, but he's probably pretty pretty darn close. But you got to play it a little safe and go with just wide receiver two. It's not about Jefferson. It's about his quarterback for me. Okay, Scott, rest of season, Justin Jefferson. Will he be a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, flex, or bench? 
yeah, I think he goes right back to wide receiver one, and and I feel like the bar isn't isn't as high as maybe maybe he's not Justin Jefferson wide receiver one overall or two overall from like Tyreek Hill, but I feel like he's going to get the target volume that that Kevin O'Connell is going to scheme plays specifically to make make him work with Josh Do- Josh Dobbs. I think finding his way to a top twelve wide receiver for the rest of the season is not going to be that difficult. Schedule is very favorable, I think. No stoppers left. Cincinnati and, and Detroit in particular, very positive matchups for Justin Jefferson. Kevin O'Connell's offense is designed to go through Jefferson. And Lord knows the running game is not going to displace Justin Jefferson from this offense. And remember, Minnesota ranks third in pass attempts, fourth in passing play percentage. This is a pass-first offense, and he's the best receiver on the team. Kevin O'Connell is going to go down swinging with his best weapons, Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. This season, the quarterback situation, obviously not ideal. Um, and that takes him out of the ranks of like CD lamb, AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill, and other clear, like elite wide receiver ones, but he's really in the next tier of guys, which still puts him into wide receiver one territory where he might come in as like the eighth, ninth, 10th to 11th, 12th best wide receiver on the season. That's still wide receiver one territory. Oh, that's all. Scott, me. let's go to tough question, question number, number three. three. There we go. There you all go. right. <laughs> uh, Tank Dell is out for the year. For rest of the season, Nico Collins, is he a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, flex or bench? Yeah, I still have him also wide receiver one. He was really, really hyper targeted, even going up against Pat Sertan last week after Tank Dell went down. Uh, Noah Brown, obviously not hundred percent healthy yet, but he should, should go Uh tough matchup this week though. Tough matchup facing sauce Gardner and DJ Reed on the outsides this week, but most of the games going forward, he's going to be wide receiver one. I'm not even opposed to saying he could get there this week with how much he got targeted outside of that. His one game without Dell was four for 80 yards. And he did that up against Marshawn Lattimore. It really would have been nice to see some games with all of these guys healthy, to be honest. <laughs> that would have been great. But uh, I, I still have him as a low-end wide receiver one going forward. Okay. Brian, with Tank Dell out for the year, Nico Collins, rest of season, is he a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, flex or bench? So this season, uh, before Dell went down, um, on snaps that Collins played when Dell wasn't on the field for whatever reason, Collins' target share climbed from 20% to 31%, and his air yard share went from 25% to 41%. So when Dell wasn't on the field, Collins was C.J. Stroud's favorite target, and that's going to be the case for the remainder of the season. I got to disagree with Scott a little bit in that we're in agreement that it's a bad matchup against the Jets this week. We're going to break that down momentarily. So I would give them a C, but then Tennessee, a good matchup. But then they have Cleveland in week 16. That yep. feels like another C yep. to me. And then Tennessee again. And the Tennessee matchups are kind of an A. So C, A, C, A, that averages out to a B to me. So I'm Sounds at wide like receiver. Kaka. Wide receiver two. Kaka. Kaka. <laughs> hey, don't talk about one of our favorite receivers that way. Right. Um, Nico is fourth in yards after catch, and that helps him turn low volume games into high yardage games because even if he doesn't get the ball a lot, because he can do so well after the catch, he can have big, he can have big output. And even with a modest uptick in targets, like let's say two per game, if he gets two extra targets per game with Dell out, 
that would be huge for Collins. Listen to this differential. For Collins's average games where he gets six or fewer targets, very mundane, 47 yards, 0.2 touchdowns per game. But when he gets seven or more targets, Nico Collins explodes up to 125 yards and almost a full touchdown per game. So he's like double or triple the efficacy when he gets seven or more targets. And I think without Dell, he's likely to get those seven targets in virtually every game mm-hmm. down the stretch. Yeah. And if you're wondering how good 125 yards and 0.8 touchdowns is, that's almost exactly what Tyreek Hill is giving his fantasy owners right now. So you're getting you know the best wide receiver in football in those games where he gets seven or more targets. Now, it's not always as simple as saying, well, because Tank Dell's gone, that means he's going to get more targets, but he probably will. He'll also get better coverage with Tank Dell out because defenses don't have to account for Tank Dell and Robert Woods is not as good or Noah Brown is not as good. Still, um, I love the prospects of him being a high-volume player, and I think he could do well here. The matchups do concern me, and I think Brian really hit on a key thing. Jets and Cleveland could be major bummers for you know any wide receiver, mm-hmm. and because of that, you know well, that's that's half of the remaining schedule. Yeah, Jets, Cleveland. So I can only get to wide receiver two if it were if it were pretty much any other defenses you were facing. I think he'd be wide receiver one for sure. It's now good to know who has faith in Nico Collins and who doesn't. Who who yeah, truly no. believes in him? Yeah, long time <laughs> listeners know right. <laughs> yes, Nico that's Collins. true. We're starting them either way okay. though. Let's go to Houston taking on the Jets. It's a perfect segue, Brian. You mentioned already you've got a C grade on Nico Collins. you want to expand on that at all? Yeah, not a great matchup. And I will mention quickly, torrential downpour expected in New Jersey on Sunday. That's not a stopper by any means, but rain does factor into the passing game. So so just a C on Collins, but it's more about the matchup, awful matchup. Jets allowing the second fewest catches per game to wide receivers, just 9.5 as a whole, and the Mm. fewest yards and touchdowns per game. New York has allowed three wide receiver touchdowns all season. Three that's Jeez, it. So that's C for Collins, Noah Brown, John Mechie, Robert Woods, they're all on the bench. But I like the matchup for Brevin Jordan uh, at tight end. He was my take a chance on me receiver. So uh, a C grade for Jordan. And uh, C.J. Stroud, I was close to putting him on the bench, uh, but I, I just couldn't do it. But just a C for him. The Jets are allowing 192 passing yards and 1.2 passing touchdowns per game. That is not good at all. But Stroud has been excellent this season. I think he can find his way to at least two touchdown passes, hopefully. So a C grade for him. Charge Damian Pierce was your take a chance on me running back. I like him more than Devin Singletary. Uh, As you mentioned in in the take-home segment, it's a great matchup uh, for the running backs on paper. But Pierce uh, trending towards the lead back, so he gets the stronger C between the backs for Houston. Over to the Jets side, I got a few Cs here, starting with Brees Hall, dealing with an ankle injury but is expected to play. Not a great matchup here, though, for Brees Opposing backs are averaging 111 combo yards per game against Houston. Not great, not awful, but uh, no lone back has topped 90 rushing yards against the Texans this season. And the Texans Hmm. haven't surrendered a running back touchdown since week 10. So just a C for Brees Hall. Also a C for Garrett Wilson. The Texans are allowing more than 160 yards per game to wide receivers. And Garrett Wilson's target share is pushing 30%, which is a lot. So you got to like that volume, even though we've hated the quarterbacks for the Jets all year since Aaron Rodgers went down. So real quickly, Zach Wilson is on the bench, obviously. But Tyler Conklin is not, uh, even with Wilson under center. I mean, Wilson is an upgrade over Tim Boyle. I guess we can give him that much. But uh, yeah, I got to see on Conklin. The Texans are allowing more than 
six and a half catches and 60 receiving yards per game to tight ends. And Houston is one of two teams to yield more than 100 targets to tight ends so far this season. So I like Conklin here in the wasteland with a C. All right. When we come back, Minnesota taking on Las Vegas. We'll give you details on what to expect from Justin Jefferson in his first game in nine weeks. Nine weeks. Oh, it's been way too long. Do you automatically put Justin Jefferson back in your lineup? Find out when we come back to Fantasy Football Week. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Fantasy Football Weekly. Vikings take on the Raiders. Justin Jefferson back. Prior to his injury, you may have forgotten just how good Justin Jefferson was. Average game prior to injury, 
eight catches, 136 yards per game. Not going to do that with Josh Dobbs, but still a very good opportunity here. Over the last five weeks, Las Vegas has allowed the fifth most receptions per game to opposing wide receivers. They've shaken up their secondary. They're now starting former New England cornerback Jack Jones, who was waived outright, and they cut Marcus Peters. This has been this will be the first game with Jones, uh, who was just awful with the Patriots. So there's a great opportunity for Jefferson here. Now, opposite Jones is Amik Robertson. They might have him shadow Jefferson, which would make a ton of sense. And even still, Amik Robertson's good, but he's not great. Um, and that's a nice opportunity for Justin Jefferson. A grade on him. A grade on TJ Hawkinson as well. You know, a reminder, even when Justin Jefferson was going, Hawkinson getting tons of looks, and that's continued nonstop. Yep. And Josh Dobbs loves his tight ends. Hawkinson needed last week's bye to get rest at rib injury that was really uh, laboring on him. Las Vegas, middle of the pack in all the stats against tight ends. Doesn't matter. Hawkinson, A grade for this one. Not to mention Staying Josh. With the passing game, uh, Jordan Addison. Jefferson siphons off a lot of balls, but he also draws a lot of coverage. So Addison's going to likely see fewer passes, but hopefully better opportunities. And maybe one won't clank off his face mask like uh, last game. If the Raiders uh, do decide to put a Meek Robertson on Jefferson, that would put Jack Jones on Addison. And that's a great matchup. So there's an opportunity here. Um, Jones allowing an 80% catch rate, high risk, high reward start C grade on Jordan Addison. And let's talk Josh Dobbs. This is an ultra high risk, high reward spot for Josh Dobbs. He could be benched if he continues to turn the ball over that would be your downside scenarios you don't get a full game from him or he could be electric with Justin Jefferson back he could run in a score you know mostly the Raiders secondary has handled middling passers like Dobbs but with his rushing and the plethora of strong targets here I think he's a plausible starter for those with the appetite I give him a C grade Hmm. can't give you a letter grade on this running game again Alexander Madison on the bench since week five. He's topped 52 rushing yards one time. And it came against the Broncos, and they give up the most rushing yards in the league. Madison has seen 10 or fewer carries in four of the last eight games. Unshackled from Josh McDaniels, the Raiders are a much better run defense. They're giving up just 76 rushing yards per game and 3.8 yards per carry over the past five weeks without Josh McDaniels. So bench grade on Alexander Madison in this one. Let's go to the uh, Las Vegas side. You really only care about a couple of guys. Um, We'll hit on them now. Josh Jacobs, B grade. Since Aiden O'Connell took over in week nine, Jacobs getting a lot of work. 24 touches, 100 total yards, and .8 scores per game. Vikings, though, very good run defense, as they have been most of the season. They allow the third fewest touchdowns per game to opposing running backs, only .4 per game. The Vikings allow the fifth fewest total yards per game to opposing running backs as well. All that, you know, all the, it's 103 per game total. All that should go to Jacobs, who's seen at least 75% of the snaps in five straight weeks. So true workhorse back in Josh Jacobs. Mm -hmm. So even in a tough matchup against a good run defense, he comes in with a B grade. You care about Devontae Adams. Um, Hasn't been the game breaker we're used to. Uh, but still providing a solid floor with Aiden O'Connell at the helm, averaging six catches, 84 yards, while scoring once in the last three games. The Vikings secondary gives up over 14 receptions per game to wideouts. That is fourth most, while giving up the 10th most yards per game to the position. So I still think Adams is a very safe start here. Vikings don't give up a lot of scores to wideouts, just half a touchdown per game since September. 
solid, but probably not an explosive game coming for Devonta Adams, who comes in with a B grade. Real you quick, can also Charge. Start- uh, yeah. Sorry, I had to look. I know this is the Packers, but this is Adams' history against the Vikings with Green Bay, touchdown-wise. One, two, three, two. It's the last four games against the Vikings. Wow. Yes. He likes playing them. Uh, Jacoby Myers also a plausible start here, coming off his best game with Aiden O'Connell, a quarterback, last week, six catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown. Vikings allowing 181 passing yards per game in away games, which is very low. Huh. Um, and it's about 80 yards less than they give up at home. Myers has 12 red zone targets, which is solid, and they do like to use him near the stripe. I could see a plausible spot here for Jacoby Myers, but I don't expect greatness. C grade for him. Aiden O'Connell's on the bench. I don't I, I don't know that <laughs> yeah. you'd be replacing anybody no. for him anyway here. Vikings have allowed zero or one touchdown pass in eight of the last nine games. Let's go to uh, Denver taking on the Chargers, Scott. Uh, I already told you I like Russell Wilson. Might take a chance on me, a quarterback. What do you think of his receiving options in this game? I I agree with you on Russell Wilson. I had a B grade on him, which means I got a couple receivers I like in this game. I have a B grade on Cortland Sutton and a C grade on Jerry Judy. Chargers, bottom three against wide receivers, fifth most yards allowed, sixth most touchdowns allowed. Judy himself, only one game over 65 yards and only one touchdown on the year. So the best, even in a great matchup with a quarterback matchup that's great, the best I can do for him is a C grade, hoping he does one of those like three for 65, four for 65, just barely edges double digit touch, (laughs) double digit fantasy points. I do have a B grade on Sutton though. Uh, Take away the scores and he's only averaging four catches for 51 yards, but that's still a just barely sea level, but he scores all the time. 47% of the team's end zone targets, six scores in the last seven games. He probably needs the score, but I think he gets it here in this matchup. So B grade, B grade on Cortland Sutton uh, running game. I only have a B grade on Javante Williams, Jaleel McLaughlin and Samaj P Ryan now seem to be splitting. It was a McLaughlin mm-hmm. game last week. It was a P Ryan game the week before it's, it seems like it's enough of a split to annoy fantasy owners that you can't start them. You can only start Javante. He's getting a B grade averaging over 20 touches for 83 yes. yards since returning to the lead back role. He's getting a few catches a game as well. He's only scored twice in those six weeks, but the Chargers, uh, they're a lot, they're 11th easiest against runners. Uh, 17 plus touch backs like Javante Williams is are averaging about 95 total yards. I'm giving him a B here over to the Chargers side. I have a C grade on Justin Herbert, who uh, like Minshew almost seems like you have to pick your spots this weird year, which is really mm. weird for Justin Herbert, but Broncos were terrible against the pass to start the year. Only one multi-passing pass. Well, only one multi-passing touchdown game, but over the last five weeks and over the last five weeks, they held Mahomes to 241 score list yards, Josh Allen to 177 yards and one passing touchdown Stroud to 174 and one, this matchup's really tough. I just don't see Herbert having a good day here. Um, uh, yeah, so I have a C grade on Justin Herbert. In the passing game, I'm still giving Allen the A, though. Uh, over the past month, Broncos have allowed the second fewest fantasy points to wide receivers. But Sertan, we just saw him give up a ton to Nico Collins when hyper-targeted, and that's what happens with Allen. Not to mention, Sertan does not shadow into the slot very much, where 
Keenan Allen does 40% of his snaps. So nine plus targets every game for Keenan Allen. He's going to get his. I trust him to still get you that A grade. I do have the other guys on the bench, though. If Palmer is... Uh, he, his practice window is open. If he does come back, he just muddies the water even more. Quentin Johnson showed up last week, but he'll be on the outside a lot. And when Keenan Allen's in the slot, he might get Sertan. So I got, I got him on the bench. Donald Parham, I can't trust. Uh, he gets a lot of end zone targets, but that's pretty ballsy. Gerald Everett, however, C grade. Leads all tight ends in separation. The Broncos are the easiest matchup for tight ends. 11 tight ends, 11 of them in 12 games have 50 yards and or a score. That's, that's basically mm. almost wow. every week. Yeah. Uh, in just the last four weeks, they have allowed 50 plus to each of the lead touch or tight ends and six tight ends in those four weeks have had 50 plus and or scored. It's been four for 40 yards in back-to-back weeks forever. I think he has a slightly bigger week this week, C grade. Austin Eckler, this one's tough, right, Charge? Yep, <laughs> this it is. Really this tough. is thorny. Yeah, I have a B grade on Eckler, but I really don't love it. It's like the highest of C's or the lowest of B's. If only there was something I could say that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that could designate exactly how I feel. On paper, this is like the best matchup he's going to get. Second worst against runners. A quarter of that was the Dolphins game. I get that. But they've been hit by a ton of runners. The Houston backs went well, went really well against them. The the Cleveland running backs did, both of them. The Vikings duo, the Buffalo backs, all of them over the last month have done awesome against the the uh, the uh, Broncos here. Eck gets almost all the touches. Um he only has two games over 75 total yards, though, since returning from that ankle injury. Hasn't scored in three straight. This is the get-right game if he's going to have a get-right game. Uh, by the way, though, he went to school, high school and college in Colorado, and historically is great against Denver. Does that play in? Does that play in <laughs> over there, Brian? I'll allow it, yes. Yeah, he's got big games in five of the last six against Denver. I have a B grade on him because the matchup is too, too good to ignore. I'm, I'm I'm going to ignore the uh, the split talk for now. We'll, 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 I have to see Josh Kelly get into the range before I actually trust it. So be great on Eckler. And Josh Kelly did absolutely nothing when Eckler was hurt, too. Right. <laughs> he had like a bell cow role, so I'm not too worried about that yet. Yeah, plus Eckler is second in the league behind McCaffrey in touches inside the five. The problem is only four touchdowns on those 15 opportunities. I know Charge hates that. <laughs> Philadelphia takes on Dallas, Uh, Brian, and tons of angles and very, very meaningful game a lot of ways. But I think for a lot of us, we're most excited that Dallas Goddard off the injury list altogether, and he's going to be returning. And so many of us looking for tight end help. Here comes a quasi elite level tight end back for Dallas uh, in Dallas Goddard. What do you think of his opportunity in this game? Yeah, also another like quasi homecoming game, Dallas playing in Dallas. Uh, so oh, like a, C, a C for Dallas yeah. Goddard, but it is not a good matchup. Uh, Dallas, the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys are allowing less than four catches and 45 yards per game to tight ends. No lone tight end has topped five catches against the Cowboys this season. And Goddard last scored against the Cowboys in 2019, but... In in the wasteland, in, in a suspected shootout, I will give the C to Goddard. I will mention real quick, these teams did meet in Week 9, Philly won 28-23. We'll reference that a, a few times here. Uh, sticking with the passing game and uh, going to the wide receivers in A.J. Brown, a B for A.J.B. 
Tough matchup on paper. The Cowboys are allowing less than one, uh, 11 catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown per game to opposing wide receivers. But, of course, you're not sitting Brown, who had seven catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown in the first meeting. And D.K. Metcalf also went off against the Cowboys last week. Six catches, 134 yards, and three touchdowns. Brown could do the same. I'm not predicting that, but you're not benching him. So a B for Brown. You're not benching Devontae Smith either. Going to give him a C. Pretty much the same story for Smith that we have with Brown. Not a great matchup, but he's tough to sit. Smith had three catches, 51 yards, and a touchdown in the Week 9 game against the Cowboys, so he is certainly startable here. As is Jalen Hurts, he gets a B. In that Week 9 game, Hurts had 207 passing yards with two touchdowns while adding another 36 yards and a rushing score. So a safe B for Hurts against the Cowboys, who are ranked 6th. Sixth in pass coverage by Pro Football Focus, but they've surrendered 300-plus passing yards and or multiple passing touchdowns in four of their last five games. And lastly for Philly, a C for DeAndre Swift, who fell flat against Dallas in the first meeting, with 74 scoreless combo yards on 20 touches. And in fact, since week three, Swift has topped 100 combo yards just once, but the volume Mm -hmm. should be there against the Cowboys, but just a C for Swift and over to the Dallas side and their running back Tony Pollard gets a C. He's picked up the pace recently, at least in terms of touchdowns. He's now scored in three straight games, but not a great matchup for Pollard. Philly is allowing just 100 combo yards per game to running backs, and they've surrendered just three total scores to the position all year. So a soft C for Pollard, a very hard A though for CD Lamb. Uh, Lamb did not score in the first meeting. But his 11 catches for 191 yards certainly made up for that. (laughs) The Eagles are allowing nearly 200 yards and two touchdowns per game to opposing wideouts. So, you know what? Not a hard A. He gets the fantasy Fonzie A, C.D. Lamb. Uh, So, so you got to like Brandon Cooks as well. There he is. There's Henry. Brandon Cooks gets a B. He only had one catch for seven scoreless yards in the first meeting. But Cooks has been surging since then, scoring a touchdown in three of his last four games. The only game the only game Cooks failed to score a touchdown during that span was a blowout win against the Panthers, a team that no one throws on. So that is certainly excusable. Uh, Michael Gallup, I was close to giving a C, but he's more of a DFS dart throw. He's on the bench for me. But Jake Ferguson is not. He gets a B. Fergie is now a top eight tight end this season. Oh, boy. And he could climb the ranks even more after this game. Fergie had seven catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown in the first meeting. And including that game, the Eagles have allowed a tight end touchdown in three of their last five. So a B for Ferguson and Dak Prescott, MVP candidate. 374 passing yards with three touchdowns in the first meeting. Easy A for Dak. That was a thorny one, but I'm done. Charge, you want to put some money on money on uh, Dak for me for MVP while you're down there? MVP, uh, you're only going to get three to one on your money, so you're oh, not going to get a yeah. lot. Give, give me twenty on Tyreek. I want yeah, Tyreek. Well, yeah, what's the, what's on Tyreek here? <laughs> that's that's a lot. But, that's by like the way, MVP. Charge, I think he's like plus twelve hundred. I'm still not Ooh, happy you stole CD Lamb from me in our Gia team league. I'm, I'm glad you're upset about it. I need him, baby, and I need him. In, <laughs> I need him this week. When we come back. That epic game, Buffalo at Kansas City. We'll talk that through when we return.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Final segment of the win and you're in edition of Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Jarchi and Scott Fish, Brian Johnson. You can follow us on the site formerly known as Twitter. I'm at Paul Jarchian. Scott is at ScottFish24. And Brian is at BTXJ. As mentioned, heading into the break, Buffalo taking on Kansas City in a wild game. Get the, These are two teams that, despite not being in the same division, over the last three years have played each other five times. which is is pretty staggering for non-divisional teams. Um, And there's been a ton of points scored typically in these games. Let's start on the Buffalo Bills side. Josh Allen comes in with an A grade, and so does Stephon Diggs. But for Diggs, it's a little bit trickier. He is going to be in a dogfight with elite cornerback Legereus Sneed, who usually gets deployed against the opposing top wide receiver, which is clearly Stephon Diggs. Get this, since week six, Legereus Sneed's average game against him, two catches, 
for 23 scoreless yards in his coverage. Just two or three weeks ago, he did the lockdown treatment on A.J. Brown and held him to one catch for nine yards. So this Legereus Sneed thing is legit. But we've seen Diggs get this kind of treatment in the past and be able to beat it. So I'm still got a low A grade on Stefan Diggs, but just know there's some sneaky downside on him if, mm-hmm. if it comes to that. Now, this brings Gabe Davis into play. He's, as you guys all know, he's the ultimate hit or miss player. I lean towards hit in this one. Okay. Not has he had because... good games against the, the Chiefs? <laughs> yeah. Has he had good games? Yes. <laughs> his, his last two games against Kansas City, 275 yards and six touchdowns. So you know, we lean hit on this one. Now they know that, of course. You'd think that they could do something about it. But the problem is they got to put Snead on digs. That puts Gabe Davis on Jalen Watson for much of this game. And I just think that's going to put him in a really good spot. Um, and if you go back to that A.J. Brown game, right, where Brown had the one catch for uh, eight, nine yards, Devonta Smith, six catches for 99 yards on the other side. Uh, so I think that's what Gabe Davis is looking at here. I think he's looking at the big game, so I've got a B grade on him. You know who goes to the bench? Dalton Kincaid. Ooh. Far riskier proposition because Dawson Knox is going to play in this right. one. And Kincaid had five or fewer receptions in every game um, with Dawson Knox. He had five or more with every game with Knox. So there's a danger here. Kansas City's allowed the fourth fewest yards to tight ends the fourth fewest receptions to tight ends and no tight end is top 37 yards in two months mm. against Kansas city. So Dalton Kincaid for as great as this was, this run was without Dawson Knox yeah. with the matchup and Knox back. He's on the bench that leaves James cook his rushing output and yards per carry have dropped in three straight games, but targets receptions receiving yards have all increased. The last five opposing starting running backs against the chiefs have averaged 100 total yards per game with four of the five scoring, the Chiefs have the fifth worst run defense grade for by pro football focus and the worst run stop win rate in the entire league. So I kind of like him here. Cook facing mm-hmm. six or more defenders in the box on a league low 8% of his rushing attempts. That's it. So there's some nice opportunity for James Cook in this one. I know we've many people have been burned on James Cook, but I like him here. I like him I here too. Be great yep. on him. All right. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate the validation. We talked earlier in this show about the struggles of Patrick Mahomes. I told you over the last five games, he's quarterback 21. His average box score over those five games, 222 yards and 1.4 touchdowns. That's it. Over the past seven games, the Bills haven't given up many yards, just 224 per game, passing yards per game, but they've yielded near the end zone. So maybe some more touchdowns coming. Um, I worry a little bit about Travis Kelsey maybe being held in check. We'll talk about him in a second. And the rest of the wide receivers for Mahomes are total wild cards as always. Buffalo's secondary missing Tredavious White and Kyir Elam at cornerback. But they've been okay without them. Buffalo allowing the fewest yards per pass at just 6.5 yards per pass. And so I don't think Mahomes is going to get much going downfield. The best I can get you is a B grade on Patrick Mahomes. I'm sticking with an A grade on Travis Kelsey because of the absolute domination he's had against Buffalo in the five matchups he's had since 2020. His per game averages are 10 targets, eight catches, 90 yards, and 1.2 touchdowns per game. Gigantic tight end numbers. Buffalo has been a very good tight end defense this year, though. Mm -hmm. Nobody has topped 51 yards. 
They've allowed just 40 yards per game to the position, which is excellent. I considered giving Kelsey a B grade here, uh, but I just, I can't get myself to do it, guys. (laughs) It's still Travis Kelsey. I can't do it. Uh, Staying with the passing game, how about Rasheed Rice, who has now established himself as the clear wide receiver one on the Chiefs with a second straight week of at least 67% of the snaps and nine targets. His eight and eight receptions the past two games are the first time a Kansas City receiver has done that in over one year. Rice's 12 red zone targets are tied for eighth in the league. I mean, that puts him in the conversation with guys like Stefan Diggs and A.J. Brown. So, you know, those 14 red zone targets are excellent. The Bills allow about one touchdown per game to wide receivers, and they've given up six in the past five games. So if there's a touchdown to be had for a wide receiver, I like Rasheed Rice to be that guy, Okay, and I've got a B grade on him. Mm-hmm. The running game is unfortunately um, a mess uh, now. In, in turmoil here. Yeah, no Isaiah Pacheco has been ruled out for this game. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is your starter. Um, Pacheco is not going, as I mentioned. There's some opportunity for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I've got a C grade on him. The Bills allowing 135 total yards per game to opposing running backs. That's ninth worst. And the Bills allow 4.6 yards per carry. That's fourth worst. Uh, Edwards Alaire, he's fresh after being lightly used all season, and he's playing for an off-season contract, by the way. He's coming up on free agency, so there's a little extra motivation there. C grade for him and a C grade for Jarek McKinnon, startable in PPR leagues. Buffalo allows the fourth most running back receptions, fourth most running back receiving yards, and Buffalo's allowed a running back receiving touchdown in two of the last three games. So McKinnon expected to be healthy to this for this game and somebody you can use. Let's go to Green Bay taking on the Giants. Scott, Jordan Love has been really very good over the last three games. And now he's got what looks to be a very favorable matchup on paper against yep. the Giants. Yeah, he was my take a chance on me player, but I'm going to make you do this real quick. McKinnon or CEH, who do you start? Um, I'm going to go CEH. I'm going to take the sure carries that he brings to the table. Okay, Uh, back to the Green Bay-New York Giants matchup. Jordan Love and Jaden Reed, should he go, which he should. Uh, Where might take a chance on me players? Who else do I got? I got Romeo Dobbs with a C grade here. Uh, Still getting most of the snaps. Has scored in four of the last seven. He's usually getting like three to five catches a game. He's going to get an okay matchup against Deontay Banks, who let McLaurin and Wilson, uh, uh, that's Garrett Wilson, Devontae Adams, CeeDee Lambs all had great days on them. But it took seven-plus targets, and I think he gets there if Christian Watson doesn't go, who hasn't practiced all week. I don't think he goes. Uh, Christian Watson, if he does go, I have a B grade on uh, a guy that's over the last five weeks. Only the Giants are giving up more uh, passing yards uh, to receivers than the Giants. Uh, Christian Watson scored four times in the last three weeks. But if he doesn't go, I'm giving Dobbs the C. Dart throw here in D- uh, Dontavian Wicks. Um, he had four plus catches, uh, or he had six catches for 85 yards and a score in the two weeks that Watson was out. That's total, like three for 40 plus each game. Uh, he's an interesting dart throw if Watson doesn't go. Uh, bench grade for Tucker Craft. Luke Musgrave can't return, so he won't be back. But Ben Sims did steal the score last week. Giants have only allowed two tight end scores all year. They're fourth best against tight ends. I'm going to leave him on the bench for this one. A.J. Dillon, I got a C grade on. Uh, 17 plus touches in three straight is great, but it's amounted to 60 to 85 scoreless yards. 
I know mm. S- Stevenson went over 100 on the Giants, uh, and Zeke added 50. There's, you know, teams have have tagged the Giants a little bit more recently. If he was more effective, or more of a pass catcher, or more of a scoring threat, <laughs> AJ Dillon might get a B. But uh, you love the inside the five stats. I got one for you, and, and tell me if you love this charge. We saw Ben Sims score the one yarder, so I had last week. So I had to check. AJ Dillon, his last attempt inside the five was week eight. Jeez, <laughs> he's, he's not. He's not getting yeah. those. So see, great. He's useless and he's hurt. Yeah. Over to the Giants' side, I have the entire passing game on the bench. Packers allowing the eighth fewest yards and fourth fewest touchdowns to uh, quarterbacks and their top 10 in both those categories as well against wide receivers. You wouldn't even know which one to start. Darren Waller is likely out another week as well. So it's only Saquon Barkley with the B grade. Uh, over the last month, both Pittsburgh backs torched the Packers, both Detroit packs t- torched the Packers. Pacheco had hundred plus, even Austin Eckler had 70 yards. <laughs> so, so that tells you where this defense is on that with Tommy DeVito as the full starter. Barkley's averaging 16 for 94 had a couple receiving scores. He's, he's, he's also still getting those, uh, those catches two to four catches a game. Be great on Seiko and Barkley. All right, let's go to our final matchup. Tennessee taking on Miami. Derrick Henry, been up, been down. What do you think this matchup, Brian, for Derrick Henry? Not a smash spot for Henry, unfortunately. I just have a C grade on him. Uh, it sure looked like Henry suffered a concussion last week, but uh, King Henry never went into protocol, so he'll be full go. But a brutal matchup for Henry. Opposing backs are averaging just 24 touches against the Dolphins for 109 combo yards Per game, the Dolphins have allowed just one touchdown to the running back position over the last five games. So a C for Henry, and we love him here. But for, for those reasons, Ty J. Spears is on the bench in this one. Uh, it's just, even though he's he's arguably, he's probably the, the, has the second most receptions on the Titans, and it'll be a, a positive pa- uh, script for the passing game. I still got Spears on the bench, but I, I got a C grade on DeAndre Hopkins you can't love his prospects with Will Levis under center, but Nuke has seen at least eight targets in three of his last five games, and you can expect similar volume in what should be probably a positive game script for the Titans passing game again. So a C for Hopkins, but he's the only one I'm starting for the Titans passing game. Traylon Burks is back, but he is on the bench. Chico Conquo is on the bench. Will Levis is on the bench. I think we might see Ryan Tannehill come in relief in a, in a, a revenge game scenario <laughs> against his old team in this one. So at quarterback or wide receiver, uh, it like doesn't matter. Yeah, both. Yeah, <laughs> why not both? He'll throw it to himself. He might lead Giggle. the team in both both uh, categories. Over to the the Dolphin side, obvious A for Tyreek Hill. Uh, I had to mention this stat really quick. Tyreek is averaging more than at least 40 yards in the first, second, and third quarters of games this year, Jeez. but like four in the fourth because they're not using <laughs> them in the over. fourth quarter. The games so are over. he should be averaging like nearly 200 yards per game. So an easy A for Hill uh, on a record-setting pace, A for Tua Tungo Viola. Jalen Waddell is basically an automatic B-world whenever he's healthy. He doesn't have the upside of Hill, but uh, he certainly can uh, offer you some upside with a safe floor. Uh, And we're not going to Durham Smythe, unfortunately, at the tight end position for the Dolphins. But we definitely have to talk about Devin Achan and Raheem Mostert. Unfortunately, just a C for both because they're going to eat each other's lunch yet again. Achan returned last week, played 61% of the snaps, Handled 20 touches for 103 combo yards, so he was technically the lead back. 
Raheem Mostert took a backseat, but Mostert got the short touchdown run, finished with 50-plus combo yards, so certainly both are viable against the Titans, who have yielded the seventh most red zone touches to running backs this season. And over the last five games, Tennessee is allowing 120-plus combo yards per game to the running back position. Yeah, that Mostert-Achan thing, will be, it'll be fascinating to see this goes down the stretch. The you know, Mostert, we kept waiting for him to get hurt. It's, you know, we're, we're getting close to mid-December here, and it, it hasn't happened yet, which has been fantastic for his owners, of course. RB2, Raheem Mostert is. It's crazy on the year. It is. Yeah, fantastic season for him. No doubt about it. Uh, thank you for listening to this win and in edition of Fantasy Football Weekly. If you missed any part of the show, you can check out all my player rankings available at guillotineleagues.com. That is for free, guillotineleagues.com. Also available in the Guillotine Leagues app as well. Next week, we are in the playoffs. Playoff edition of Fantasy Football Weekly coming next week. We'll talk to you then, everybody. Best of luck. Bye-bye. Fantasy Football Weekly is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon. Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, And I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.